Winter Soldier and, of course, Endgame. Endgame and Infinity War. Right. Kind of more your world than mine. My world? Okay. Although you're bringing me steadily into this world, apparently. I'm, I'm assuming that the Rambo comparisons did not fail you? Miss you? Miss not... There was a Rambo comparison? Well, no, not really. I mean, he's just... The sixth character is kind of like a Rambo in the sense that he's just a weapon of war created by the U.S. government. Antisocial tendencies, yep. man of few words kind of a kind of a vibe. Okay. I mean, that, that tracks. But I did think more like James Bond or, or Blonde Wick, like I was mentioning earlier. It's more government-based. He's like an operative and like can disappear into the shadows and take out 30 agents while handcuffed to a park bench or whatever. This seemed vaguely um, anti-American to me. Really? I mean, it was very James Bondy globe trotting, but it's also turning against the institution that fostered you and then rejected you, all expendable style. Yeah, there were some extraction vibes to it, too. Oh, yeah. This movie could not exist. This is why uh, I suggested we discuss this movie. Is it because it cannot exist with all of the movies that we've already discussed? Oh, you mean it cannot exist without them? Right. Without the rhythm and the tone of the language and the, the obscure terminology and stuff and their expressions. And just like even the fun parts and everything, it all came down to how sort of ridiculous and grandiose movies of this type are. Where he's just killing nonstop and then he'll like pull up in a tuk-tuk or whatever that little cart was and <laughs> he can wear those dumb loafers for like the fun the the end fight and junk tuk-tuk i think tuk-tuk whatever man i've never been to asia <laughs> you'd like it except it not in the summer i don't like anything in the summer i think you have to be in this vibe right you have to know these movies like these kinds of movies because i watched the gray man and i was like oh that was that was pretty good like i <laughs> kind of surprisingly because of how generic it seemed and how gray man it seemed and then i almost completely forgot about it so i was like man i need to watch that again to understand what it was about and it really honestly doesn't matter what it was about what's on the MacGuffin usb drive don't know don't care who's the old man don't know don't care what are the intricacies all it came down to was the dance between cia fbi uh six and lloyd and we had a little bit of billy bob thrown in and stuff and and then the climactic scene at the French manor dealy, which wasn't in France, but it is, it is really in France or whatever. And you're like, here's the showdown kind of thing, you know? You're making me destroy historical site. Right. And it's funny. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing. And a lot of the dialogue was improvised, particularly between Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. And it steers dangerously close to dumb when he's like, you want to want to grab some food or grab some lunch and talk about it. And he's like, no, thanks. I just had some Skittles. And you're like, that's a terrible line. I wonder if that's like product placement. But apparently, like, according to the trainer, the guy that Ryan Gosling said would be the closest person you would ever meet to like a Sierra six in real life. He's like, yeah, like when you're in the field or whatever, Skittles are actually really great because they never expire. They never like go bad and they're an excellent source of energy. I mean, they're pure energy so, until you crash. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because <clears throat> in this movie, Ryan Gosling can get stabbed multiple times and shot multiple times. And he's like, oh, I'm a fine. And until you get the burst of energy that gets you through the fight and then you're like, a lot of blood, a lot of blood. Let's let's get to the hospital. <laughs> and then three days later, he's killing FBI dudes willy nilly to get to the girl. Yeah. Was that a turning point for him where he's just taking people, he's just picking them off to pick up the girl? I think it doesn't matter. In his gray man state, uh, you know, good, bad, it doesn't really matter. 
He got out of prison. He's recruited. He's trained to kill, so he kills. When his interest is the little girl, he kills whoever stands in his way, be they bad guy or ostensibly good guy, although the, the agencies, the American agencies, weren't particularly favored in this movie. I mean, in the end, the CIA <clears throat> is holding the girl as a hostage in order to control Six. Is that, am I mistaken? Yeah, no, that's correct. Exactly correct. Which is awful and anti-American. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But he's an asset and a dangerous asset which needs to be contained. And the girl is his leash. Wes, it's dangerous when you start thinking for yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't really have to think so much for this movie. This one just tracked for me. I understood the gray man. I understood who they were talking about pretty much at all times. I, I was never like, wait, who's I'm confused. Who is that and what side are they on? It all tracked even through through their obscure agency terms or whatever. And he's like, no joy. And he's like, he blew off his ex fill and all that stuff. They didn't belabor the explanations. You're either on board for this kind of movie and this kind of extraction, kind of quick thinking operation or you're not and this one i just kind of settled in and it seemed to carry me along and in that way it made it really satisfying i didn't have to keep up I, it was kind of a washer in a weird way and, and, and it carried me along the whole time did you not find that and you well you mentioned earlier the steady hand of the russo brothers joe russo also being a writer on this film i wonder how much of that has to do with their success. I mean, isn't it generally ascribed to the director if you're at the pace that they want you to be, right? The film and the filmmakers are neither ahead or behind you in your viewing experience. Like This seems like a huge, huge compliment to the Russo brothers. Well, this was neither like a quick throwaway or a, a bloated movie. It was about two hours, actually two hours, two minutes. But I've always admired the directors who can pull together miraculous things. I was one of the naysayers that thought there was no way that Marvel could pull off the Avengers. Iron Man, fine. Thor, fine. Uh, Captain America, fine. But pulling them all together in a movie that works, there's no way that's going to happen. This is going to bomb terribly. Joss Whedon did it. And then the Russos came in for the biggest Avengers in Infinity War and Endgame and pulled it off to give that many characters the appropriate amount of time for character development, especially paying due homage to their their origin stories or whatever and giving them time to breathe. I didn't feel like anybody was a short shrifted character in the gray man, except if it was, it was because we weren't expected to understand until the sequel. What is Miranda, the Ana de Armas character? What is her, like, you know, how does she fit in? I'm sure we'll find out later. Uh, Jessica Henwick, who played Brewer, the short-haired lady, who was, like, the closest you come to, like, a double agent or a double crosser or whatever. She was good but bad. I'm sure we'll find out more about her later. But I didn't feel like it was a cheat, which is crit of critical importance for not only this movie, but also big ensemble movies like the Russos. Avengers. And you know that the Tamar friend is coming back, right? Yes. Avik San is definitely a good guy now. You know that this guy, um, Danush, he's like the Indian Tom Cruise. He's <laughs> considered like one of the sexiest dudes ever. <laughs> he was pretty awesome in this. This is my first exposure to Danush to my knowledge, but I could totally see that. I guess, man. Couldn't really tell, but he was capable and actiony until he came up against the fact that he might have to kill a woman, which was dishonorable, so he left. Yeah, so the girl, definitely the least developed of the characters, more a function, again, of the men that control her. The girl? You mean Ana de Armas? No, no, in no. In particular, we, or the girls? No, we can talk about Ana de Armas in a similar role to her appearance in, in Bond. But the Claire character, played by a talented young actress, Julia Butters. 
Uh, unfortunately, a function of the men who control her. But how much more vulnerable, I guess, can you get than a young girl with a heart condition? A young orphaned girl with a heart condition and like a soft spot for music. <sighs> the silver bird of this movie. I took one look at that girl. It was like halfway through. And I was like, wait, we're introducing a girl like a kid? Come on, man. She's going to slow him down, obviously. And I was like, why do I hate this girl? Why do I take one look at her and hate her so thoroughly? And then I figured it out. It's because she was the bossy, know-it-all, bookworm, nerd girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a section that any time I had watched that movie, I would immediately skip over when Leonardo DiCaprio is like sitting in their casting chairs or whatever junk, and she's talking to him. That's like the bathroom part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They talk an awful lot. Right? She's just like like a know-it-all, pain-in-the-ass, like Hollywood kid type. And I'm like, ugh. And that kind of carried over here. Like, she hits me wrong. I'm sure that I'll be proven wrong and she'll be a breakout runaway star. And you'll be like, remember when you hated Julia Butters when she was a kid? And I'll be like, yeah. She, she's going to be fine. It's just kind of unfortunate, I think, that so there's so much collateral damage for mostly her. Like, it really bothers me. Like we were talking about the rock and they just like destroy all of San Francisco and yet they're trying to save it from like a chemical threat. But it's like fine yeah. if you like destroy millions and millions of dollars of property in a massive car chase. Well, the Russo brothers then are not the ones for you. They'll, they'll destroy anything. Is all of it worth it to save Claire? No. The answer is no. But I mean, it's not Michael Bay who will like take out Paris just for effect. Right. Just for fun. Just for the spectacle yeah, of in it. Armageddon, they were like, we got to save the world. Oh, there goes Paris as a reminder of the peril we are all in. I think that the Claire character is a bit of a crux here. And a lot of the story kind of depends on her vulnerability and innocence. I mean, Danush, our Tamar friend, he literally walks away for millions of dollars because he thinks it's wrong to prey upon a young girl. Like Billy Bob Thornton, Ryan Gosling risk their lives multiple times. Chris Evans even doesn't. In a very Remy Malek, James Bond style, just kind of lets the girl go. Like, what's the deal? He used him as leverage to get Six into position for the climactic fight in the fountain in the middle of the Shining Hedge Maze. But then lets her go. And because he has no qualms killing kids and because he wants to, like, you know, beat his enemy at his best or at his worst or whatever, he could have easily just killed her right then and there. As long as you're going to let her go. Right. Not, why not just, like, hit Six where it hurts the most? Right. And then he'd be all mad and enraged and then he would take him down anyway. But we can't have kids die. You know why? Because the gray man is rated PG-13 inexplicably. <laughs> wow. Like, it's not quite Titanic level, but there was a lot. There was a lot. There were missing fingers, multiple stab wounds, collateral damage. Everybody got killed. Everybody got dead. Some uh, extensive swearing. I, I think that in any other hands, they would have been like, no, 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 this is inappropriate. And they're like, no, but it's canon Captain America. They can swear more, right? It's like, well, okay. It's like back in the day, if Will Smith wanted to swear, like you'd still get a PG. <laughs> maybe. Um, that's interesting. Maybe. And also maybe just, you know, the Netflix and pressure on the MPAA. I don't know. I didn't really think about it. But now that you pointed out, I am surprised. And, and so this one breaks the, the rules or at least tests the conventions. Because, sure, it is a standard actioner spy kind of 
blow everything up James Bond type of movie. But, you know, it was meant to be more fun and more real and more self-effacing. And I think we had a lot of that in the dialogue and stuff. And it's like, oh, Billy Bob Thornton is part of the agency, but he's too old and he's protective and he's going to sacrifice himself. And it just, it was fine. And it had to be elevated in order to stand out. And I don't know if the gray man stands out necessarily, but it felt fresh enough and hip enough to work. So it's not like, well, this could have been any decade. It could have been in the 60s. It's too reliant on pop culture and knowledge of movies to be, you know, just like lumped in. It feels like a very contemporary movie to me for whatever that's worth. I feel like I'm getting stuck on some of the details, like did Fitzroy really have to die? And was Of course he had to die. Did he, but did he? He knew his, he's a big boy. He knows what business he's in. And the ultimate, he was put to the test in his self-sacrifice. Did you notice when Fitz blew himself up with a hand grenade spoiler that Lloyd pushed another, he saw what was happening and pushed another dude in the way of the blast? <laughs> That's the only way he survived. <laughs> Yeah, dude, he was the smarmy. He, oh, he was the slimiest guy ever. Weird that Captain America can be so slimy looking. But there were flaws in this movie. There was stuff that, that knowing the other movies, like Kelly and I were both like, you don't, if we know anything, and we're not super spies, but if you know anything, it's you never plug a USB into a public computer, right? He like went into like a gamer bar or something and plugged that thing in. So we really never found out what was on that thing, right? Nope. Don't matter. MacGuffin. Denny destroys it at the end, but obviously Six has a copy, right? I don't know. Or Margaret has a copy. Or the people at that bar have a copy. Exactly. Because anytime you plug a USB, it automatically downloads the content for future use. Betcha. Of course it does. Those bar computers say that they wipe themselves, but they don't. At, le at least I'll say that the gray man structurally is very sound. Yeah, you could tell clearly who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. Kelly Ray said anytime an American superhero wants to play a bad guy in another movie, he has to have a mustache. Are there other examples of I don't this? know. <laughs> I don't know the basis for this. Do you also know that, remember the thing we talked about where that bad guys supposedly aren't allowed to use Apple products? Right, right. And we talked about it in uh, National Treasure where good guys use Google and the bad guys use Yahoo. But in this one, Lloyd, the Chris Evans schmarmy trash dash dude, was wearing AirPods. I thought that was curious. Mm, he was, which I thought was a specific choice on behalf of filmmakers. I mean, it could just be like the tech company wars where Netflix is like, yeah, pretty much all bad guys use Apple products. Although do Netflix and, and Apple have beef? That was just one bullet from Netflix to Apple and the streaming wars. Okay, so Ready for your The Gray Man quiz. Go. It's not really a quiz. It's it's <laughs> basically, I'm going to interview you for super spy position because I would never recruit you into the Sierra program. I'm essentially the, and, Suzanne Brewer. And, I'll, <laughs> and, here, and here's why. Why do you think Billy Bob Thornton bothered to stand up against the nail torture when he knew that Lloyd wasn't going to let him let him out of it? I mean, he, he gave up six so quickly on the plane, why would he bother to go through the nail torture until he said, why don't we bring your, the kid in? To show how tough he is. Like, I was like, well, Billy Bob Thornton's like, maybe look, looking a little frail, but he's otherwise pretty buttoned up for this. And I was like, where's that Billy Bob stank? And then the nail thing, <laughs> the like nail scene came up and he was like, he like pulled off the nail and Billy Bob was like, ha 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 ha, like all laughing, all teethy, these like toothy laughs. And I was like, there it is. <laughs> the Billy Bob stank. 
I mean, you t- you talked about the smelly place starring Billy Bob. Remember when we? T- well, I mean, in this one, he was buttoned up and he was much more Armageddon in like his suit and stuff. Yeah. So, so is it weird that 007, that James Bond, exists in this world? Where'd you get that name? Why, why do they call you six? Because 007 was taken? <laughs> I'm surprised that that, uh, that line wasn't given to Ana de Armas, having come directly from a Bond movie, basically reprising her role as the glammed up super op agent. I think she was better here than in Bond. I, I thought because her character was kind of in and out of Bond so that I don't remember her name or whatever. And she's like, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm an operative too or whatever. Peace. And like disappeared. But she had more of a role here and I actually found her fight choreography more convincing. She was like a poor man's Wonder Woman. Ana de Armas was fine. She her fight choreography in Bond and in The Gray Man pretty convincing. Le- a little less convincing in like the one on one like you know please leave my personal space those kind of interactions. Like I don't find her to be particularly intimidating. Maybe it's because <laughs> she's just so pretty and and so doll like. She's like if you anything happens to the girl I will find you and I will hurt you. But Ryan Gosling's character he kind of brings that to light and diffuses it by saying like can i can i just save you like my ego's a little bruised can i just save you every once in a while but i mean james bond is rated pg-13 now and extraction and the old guard and these kind of netflix action movies this by the way the most expensive gamble uh, netflix has ever undertaken there were some rumors that the irishman topped 250 million dollar budget but then the official reports are like 160 million but the gray man confirmed at over 200 million dollars i wonder if it shows because, I mean, yes, it was huge and, and operatic. There is some wonkiness with the special effects and some of the explosions and stuff that I noticed. His parachute jump was kind of rubbery. And then they used an excessive amount of very obviously drone shots. Did that distract you? Yeah, this movie visually is characterized for me by drone shots and speed ramps. And what? And speed ramps. Every time... A sequence in a in a fight scene was like noticeably sped up. I was like, mm, mm, very obvious to me. Oh, speed ramps. Got it. Yeah, yeah. But also it felt kind of cheap. Like the drone shots don't cost $200 million, right? You pay one dude 40 grand or something to be able to pilot the drone expertly. But I guess you have to choreograph and time everything perfectly so that it all tracks. Yeah, it wasn't like a drone shot with like a GoPro. I mean, we're talking right. about like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of filming equipment. Yeah, and I'm sure that some of it was digital in in addition. Like, you probably shouldn't take a vastly expensive drone shot, which is probably shooting in 8K or whatever, through those tight little spaces, right? You mean Ryan Gosling wasn't running on the top of the train car? While it was exploding around him? I'm guessing probably not. <laughs> that was kind of a good set piece. I mean, it was all good. It was just very carefully. I wonder how many rounds they had to go through to get that to secure this PG-13 rating, because I think they pushed the full boundaries. I think you get one F word, multiple S words as long and the F word, it can't be sexual in context. And the S words are like, OK, and they have to be conversational or whatever. And I think I don't think you can be essing while you say the S word. But I think it was very close. And I think that they traded on the Captain America, Ryan Gosling, Kendall goodwill to get that stuff passed. The censors. But is it really important? Does the rating? Because, I mean, if you don't have a theatrical bow, then what's the point? Like, anyone can watch this movie. It's not like there's anyone checking your ID at the door. Yeah. I mean, they were missing fingers and stuff. And if a parent, if I as a parent walked into a room, I'd be like, what are you watching? Well, it's PG-13. 
and I'm 13 or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, and then I'd go and check. But doesn't you know the ratings don't necessarily matter. It's just I was just surprised, generally speaking, that they got away with it. But I think that the Gray Man used most of what it had at its disposal pretty well. I think that it could have been a fifty million dollar cheaper movie, but whatever. I'm not making these big movies, so you do what you got to do. But as long as you have one f bomb to drop, you make it count, right? Definitely. Where was the f bomb in this? <laughs> exactly. So the f bomb in this came when Chris Evans at the end said right before the, the fountain fight and I quote because I wrote it down let's see he's got a knife in hand and he says let's see if these moves F and you're like <laughs> what? I do remember that I was like did I hear that right? Right a couple of missteps in The Gray Man it is again Netflix's most expensive movie and as such they have all kinds of sequels lined up a sequel has already been greenlit we're going to find out who the old man is we're going to find out about what's her name bad hair and stuff and how she factors in I don't know I just it felt like a movie that I wanted to watch under the Russo brothers this beat out it didn't last very long frankly I think it was number 1 for all of 8 days for their most expensive movie that doesn't, you know, hold up very well. Uh, Red Notice was number one for far longer, but it was a cheaper movie to make. And this one, I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to see it. And I was pleasantly surprised. It was definitely a retread, but it was a fun retread. The Gray Man shouldn't be overthought. Um, I don't have to overthink it because in mind, I'm basically, an, you know, a high level operative. So it was fun and it didn't drag and it wasn't, and I could overlook the terrible stuff. I know that I could, I would be a much more cold-blooded Lloyd-style thing because I would have no problem whatsoever killing that annoying kid. It's awful. Yeah. Poster quote. That character. That character. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Julia Butters. Do better. For So does that mean all right? Yeah, it's all right. So the gray man for me, like Ryan Gosling's sixth character, is unstoppable. And, and hot and indefatigable and yeah i guess kind of hot and um so it doesn't really matter Wait. indefatigable oh is that it means not able to fatigue it yeah hold on let's settle it once and for all indefatigue i know that word pronunciation wise because it was an adjective used to describe carl weathers in action jackson available now at or whatevermovies.com he calls him the indefatigable Action Jackson. Indefatigable. And You're... I was like, ooh, that's a big word. You are. And I earmarked it later for later. <laughs> you are correct. So if I correct my pronunciation, will you use it or are you going to use this discussion? Are you going to use? No, this is Im important segue. All right. In that case, I will I will just restate for the record that the gray man is like the sixth character, unstoppable in, and indefatigable. So it doesn't really matter what my rating is. Nothing is going to stop this movie. Nothing is going to stop the sequel from being made. So can I just pass? Can I can I you, you, abstain? I mean, did you have, did you watch it with Brian? He, we both watched it, but we watched it separately. Okay. Did you have fun? Sure. I mean, I had fun, fun. in like a laying lifeless in my bed and <laughs> like falling asleep <laughs> at the end kind of a having to pick it up in the morning kind of a way. But yeah. It's like the best thing in Ohio, though. <laughs> it distracted you from Ohio. Stop. We had a great time in Ohio. 
Uh-huh. Everybody has a great time in Ohio. So there you have it. Uh, an all right from Wes, a fun from Iris Adazar discussion on The Gray Man, Anthony and Joe Russo's action adventurer and Netflix's biggest movie to date, 2022. And wait, how do you do the exit? And if people did enjoy this discussion on The Gray Man, Wes, how do they support us? I mean, look, we fund our lavish vacations and our uh, globetrotting lifestyle uh, a la the Sierra, the Sierra program through our Patreon donations, which are vast. Um, I guess if you want to throw some on the pile, we'd be appreciative. You can also subscribe to our podcast and you can also reach out to us and let us know what you think about it. 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. And check out all of the other movies that we referenced in this discussion, including Extraction, Rambo. And our companion episode to this episode, which is the surprise bonus addition to Nicolas Cage Month XL. Because if you're a fan of The Gray Man, I guarantee you're a fan of Con, Con Air. Air. So check it all out, or whatevermovies.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast.